0: Welcome back listeners to another episode of the standard is the standard and you're checking out the program on June 24th 2020 and I know I'm going to get this wrong because you know if I'm looking forward I'm confused of if my right is my left and my left is my right so I'm just going to say both and to my left and or to my right we have news editor, and film extraordinaire of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, Jeffrey Benedict. Jeffrey, welcome to The Standard is the Standard. Thanks, Lance. Good to be here. Now, the goal of this program, and you guys know the ways, if you want to like the program, hit the like button. Um, if you want to get your question to the top of the program, you know, hit the super chat function. I think you guys are going to have a lot of questions in this particular episode of the show because I want to Dig into the film, and that's what Jeffrey does a fantastic job of on the website. Is digging into the film because a lot of stuff that you hear about players and the impact of players, from my opinion, and, and and let me know if you disagree or not, Jeffrey, or if you agree, you have to take it with a grain of salt because I don't think that a lot of pundits and a lot of people who talk about football and talk about players dig into the film. I don't think they look at the All 22. I don't think they take that level of uh, analysis and scrutiny of ball players, and I think when guys do, they can give the full picture of what a player is and what a player's impact is. Do you agree, Jeffrey?
1: Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. A lot of the a lot of the national level guys, I mean they they watch a lot of film, but they're watching thirty two teams, right? Like so, when you really get a chance to dig in to one team and, and a specific groups and do things, it, it's a lot. It's really interesting what you find.
0: I agree. I agree. I think my knowledge of the game and I've been a subscriber of NFL Game Pass probably for the last maybe seven to 10 years. And I know I've had a lot of great mentors that have helped me discern what I'm watching. Um, You know, I've looked at your stuff. Um, I've, um, you know, Pat Bowen, um, a lot of different guys out there do a lot of great stuff when it comes to film. I've known fortunate enough to know some ex-dealers. And I've been able to take some screenshots and some captions and send them pictures. And they've been able to clarify some stuff for me. But in this particular episode, I want to know what is the Minka Fitzpatrick effect? And what was the effect and the impact of Minka Fitzpatrick on the Steelers defense? Because I think the laissez-faire opinion and the opinion of those who have not looked at film, and, 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 and everybody can't look at film and everybody doesn't have the time to. So I'm not knocking anybody if you don't is that Minka was the absolute difference of this defense. Once they got Minka Fitzpatrick, this defense transformed. Minka was the man. Minka was the reason, so on and so forth. And kind of the questions I want to get out of you in this particular podcast is, is that the reason? Is it as simple as that? Is it as simple as from a film perspective and a football perspective that Minka was the missing piece to this defense? You add Minka, and now this defense is a top three, top five defense. So let's jump into Minka Fitzpatrick as a player. Let's boil it back and give me your strengths of Minka Fitzpatrick as a football player.
1: Okay, well, there's a lot. He's got a lot of strength. Um, The big one for me is play recognition. You can tell he watches film. If you get interviews with him, he breaks down film. He had a really great film room on NFL Game Pass. Uh, The most recent episode of their film room was him talking about things. And it's amazing to see the amount of detail he's going through and how fast he processes it. So that for me is, is number one and he is elite at play recognition Uh, processing and reacting. That's my second one is, is it's not just that he sees it and reads it, but how fast he reacts to that and moves on it. Like he, he's incredible. He, he, he sees something and bam, he's going like there's times the quarterback turns, starts his throwing motion. And as he's starting his throwing motion, Minka has his hips turned and he's running. Um, and that brings me to my third one: uh, his footwork, his technique, his hips, and his footwork are just so smooth and so sharp that he cuts time off of all of his movements. Just like he reacts, and boom, he's going. He's he's really great at that. Um, he brings great ball skills. Everyone, I mean, it's it's pretty easy to watch the film and see he he finds the ball. He gets there and he finds it. If it's bouncing up, bam, he snags it. If it's if it's a tipped ball, he's gonna come down with it. He's great at that. Um, for a safety, he's incredible in man coverage. We didn't get to see that quite as much with the Steelers, but the few times they put him in man coverage, he, he looks like a cornerback playing man coverage. He's got athletically, he's a good athlete, not a great athlete, but he has great acceleration. So that's kind of a, you know, he may not be quite as big as strong, may not jump quite as high, but he's fast and he's quick when he gets going. Other than that, he has a knack for he also has a knack for uh, seeing how the play flows. I really can't really explain it as well football wise, but I, I coach basketball and I played soccer. And both of those, you get kind of a flow of a play, and you can kind of see it and you you cut it off just with little movements. He does that. He will see the strength and weaknesses in a play, how they line up things, and you just see him get to the right spot.
0: He just I know what you mean by feel. I know what you mean by feel and it's 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 that it's that sense of what are they trying to accomplish with this play? Yeah. And if I can take away what I think they're trying to get at with this play, like, you know, feel comes with and like you're saying, it comes with being really smart in this situation. In this formation, what are they? What are they trying to get at? Like, what? How are they trying to get us? Are yeah. they trying to just throw something in the flat? Are they trying to get something here? Like, kind of just like that—that that intuitiveness, that mm-hmm. that heady feel. Like, what? How are they trying to attack us? Any more strengths that you've recognized when you watch him?
1: No, that's that's what I got.
0: Let me ask you one thing that I've noticed and I want you to expand on it just a little bit more is the footwork part. So since I've been watching, so what I've been doing is I've been reading your article and and, and listeners, make sure you go to Behind the Steel Curtain. Jeffrey's done a fantastic. I think it's a four part series now on the Steelers secondary and how it's evolved.
1: Yeah, the fifth and last part should be coming Friday.
0: So make sure you guys check out, check it out. So what I've been able to do with Game Pass is I've been able to go to each particular play you've highlighted and go find that particular play on game pass. And I've looked at those particular plays in terms of footwork. I think you're spot on. Yeah. He does not take false steps. Explain to the listeners what that is, false steps and just how important it is for a safety, particularly not to take false steps.
1: Well, yeah, if um, I think the best example I can give, especially if you can get the film of it is uh his interception against the Colts, where he's backing straight up, but then as he realizes the play is going to his left, he's not like taking steps and turning. He just switches his hips, his feet move, and he's gone. Like there's just no steps in there. As his feet know, he knows where he wants to go, and his feet just go. He he like <laughs> one step and he's already in the right direction. Uh I'm not I'm not a coach. I'm not a football expert. I can't tell you like buzzwords or anything, but he he, he's so fluid. He's so good. He's so quick. And it's just change of direction is just there. He's just already moving that way.
0: I mean, I think you're hitting it. I mean, it's 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 just his balance, right? Like you were a soccer player. My daughter plays soccer. It's, It's 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 that balance that you have when you open up your hips either way. Some people can do it. Some people can't. I think a lot of that is due to if you have tight hips, it requires you to possibly take a false step or another step to get your hips actually open so you can actually make that movement and go. He's extremely fluid on field. He sees it and his body takes him to the ball if that's the read that he makes. Let's jump into the weaknesses. What are some of the weaknesses that you see in Minka's game?
1: Well, these are not as big. And, and, and a lot of these aren't really a big deal. Um, first off, he gets caught gambling. He reads plays really well. Um, he has that feel, like I said, it, but similar to the way Troy Polamalu would like break on a play, and then they they come up on a play, and they'd go over his head. Uh, that is one way that teams attacked him. I covered that a lot in my fourth part of my film room in, in Cleveland. Cleveland, throughout the first half of the, uh, the really bad Week 11 game, Cleveland was getting Minka to come up and then throwing past him. They were just constantly baiting him and throwing past him, and the Steelers had to basically rechange where he was and what he was reading to get away from that. Uh, his second one is he is not a guy as a safety. He's not a guy you want taking on blockers. He's willing to, but you you don't want him in a run fill where he's coming up and having to to take on a fullback and hold that guy in the hole. That that's not Minka Fitzpatrick, but as the Steelers play him. That's not really that big a deal. I would rate him as a solid tackler, not a great tackler. Not so much that he misses tackles, but if it's a bigger player, he's just kind of going at their legs. Like he's he can't really take them down. If he doesn't have a good angle on them, he's not going to be bringing them down very easily. He's he's got good form. He's just he's not bringing people down as well as you know Devin Bush or Terrell Edmonds or. Even a Joe Hayden, I think, is a better tackler than than Minka. My another way he can get tricked is he's very reliant on reading the quarterback's eyes. He's very good at it, but you can look him off. Like if if mm-hmm. I, like I would love to see him go against Ben as a quarterback when Ben was pump faking and, and throwing safeties in the wrong direction because Ben would do that to him. You know the the way he reads the defense, the way he moves with the quarterback's eyes. And you can, you can see it a lot of times, quarterback will look one way, Minka goes that way, and the guy he sh- where he should be is open. And if the quarterback sees that, he can hit that. They can use that against him. Um, and my last one is he needs to learn the, to learn when to be aggressive and when to play it safe in deep zone coverage. He is not a natural free safety. He didn't play that in college. He didn't play that at Miami. He's got the skills for it, and he does it well. But there's a lot of nuance to that position that he needs to learn. There'll be times where he's in a he's the deepest defender, and he just stays back, and you can make plays in front of him. And when he is aggressive, you know, often he will get burned behind, and he kind of needs to learn the feel of, of free safety and when to come up and attack and when to stay back and be that depth guy. I think that just comes with experience. That just that's just he hasn't been a free safety.
0: Yeah. That sounds like the knock. It's interesting that outside of the tackling and, and being good in terms of run fits and run fields, the weaknesses of Minka P- Fitzpatrick sound very similar to Troy Polamalu that at yeah. times Troy Polamalu can get a little too nosy. He'd get a little too cute, a little too intelligent and Troy would take some gambles and rely on athleticism. I can remember being at the AFC championship game where Troy got, he bit on the cheese in the under route and they hit him with the post. And I'm just sitting there with my brother, who's a Patriot fan upset because I know that the Patriots were going to Houston next week because I'm just watching Troy bite on that cheese. And Mm -hmm. I think the Steelers though, for all of the strengths that you listed, will take those strengths and try to hope he gets mature and read situations better to learn, okay, I can gamble here. I cannot gamble here. I can trust the scheme. We can just play it straight up. I don't have to be Superman on this play. And I think you're right. That comes with some experience. So let's jump to another question I have for you. Mm -hmm. What coverages was he used in most? And of those coverages, what did he kind of excel in?
1: Okay. Um, I'm going to take this back talk a little bit about Sean Davis, because when Sean Davis was the Steelers free safety, Sean Davis's strength was in cover one. He was just sideline to sideline. He could cover the field. Now he wasn't a star. He wasn't great. He wasn't Minka Fitzpatrick, but that's what he did. He covered the whole width of the field. Minka is not that guy. He's not quite the athlete Sean Davis was, and he's not a sideline to sideline free safety. He's not going to center field back there like that. So, the Steelers did run him a lot in cover one. Uh, if you if you want to watch the, the week three game with San Francisco, he was not very good in cover one there. Like they could attack the outsides. Fortunately, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, doesn't really throw those routes as much. But he was he's in the middle. He's not he's not getting out to the, the outsides very much when he's playing cover one. Uh, they started using a lot more cover two and quarters. The quarters started to show up and all over the place in the film uh as soon as Minka joined the team because he is so good at seeing forward attacking the play into the middle of the field. So in quarters, he didn't have to worry about right know, side to side. And then you all see a lot of cover three. And uh Steelers still run a ton of cover three. And I didn't like Minka in cover three early in the season. It, it's it's it seemed like as the deepest defender, he was just sitting back there watching the play most of the time, and teams were just throwing stuff underneath him. I liked what they did later in the season with him in cover three, and I thought that worked better, which is which is really what you have to get into with this question is how the Steelers adapted their different coverages to fit Minka because they still ran a ton of cover one. They ran a good bit of cover two. Quarters they ran a little bit, but they they got away from that more as the season went on, and they ran a lot of cover three variations, as as the season progressed and as they really make a really fit into the team better. Um, one of the things they did with with cover one was, you normally your your wide receiver your cornerbacks are gonna have outside leverage on cover one, standing outside the receiver trying to funnel them into the middle where they have help. One of the cool things they did and this. I have to give credit to KT Smith uh, for pointing this one out to me is they started running a new England variation, a cover one that that Nick Saban developed. I mean, it, there's a long complicated and history it, of it. it.
0: And it's interesting not to cut you off. It's interesting that you say Nick Saban, Saban being, of course, Minka Fitzpatrick's college coach.
1: Yeah. And Minka ran it a lot in college. So it made sense to implement this season. Um, but they take, Kind of a cover one robber where you have the the free safety deep and the strong safety or a linebacker underneath in zone, and they they turn what's called a rat is what Nick Saban calls it where that guy in the middle, if a crossing route comes to him, the cornerback just lets that guy take it and the and the middle player switches from zone to man on that player right. and the guy that switched off of him fills his role, and the Steelers started doing that. With Minka Fitzpatrick, even at the deep safety, uh, there's there's a couple of plays. There's one that really stood out in my head. It's going to be in my film room this week where they ran a route underneath Stephen Nelson. And Minka Fitzpatrick takes off from deep safety and covers this guy who's like six, feet, six yards deep. You know, he's only running a six-yard crossing route. And Minka comes from all the way at deep safety all the way up to cover him. And Stephen Nelson drops into the deep middle of the field. And it really... It's an interesting thing, but it it keeps it allows Minka to attack forward and have to worry less about the outside and really take that away. And to to work with that, they put the receivers, you know, a little more off the ball, which the Steelers already like. And they're like, if you want to take, you want to take those little in routes, that's fine. We'll just switch off our coverage. They also did a cool thing with cover two between Edmonds and Minka Fitzpatrick later in the season, after the bye week, I should say, after the bye week, where. Basically, whichever way the quarterback was looking to start the play, that safety would come forward a bit, and the other right. safety would drop back. And then when they would, like, if the quarterback switched sides, you'd see them just, bam, they'd switch. And all of a sudden, who was the deep safety changes. So that, that's another way that they used, made use of both of their athleticism and speed to the ball because both those guys are so athletic and fast to the ball. And it also let Minka Fitzpatrick, when the quarterback's looking his way, not worry about being the deepest guy. He can go up there and, you know, take away stuff. So they did a lot of little, little things between him and Terrell Edmonds and how they cover their responsibilities uh, that really turned those defenses into ones that better fit Minka's strengths and didn't cause him to have to, you know, cover his weaknesses
0: himself. So before I ask you my next question, you talk, you brought up Terrell Edmonds. Now, in, in Steeler Nation... Terrell Edmonds is the guy that Steeler Nation loves to hate um, on the defensive side of football. You know, I I think a lot of Steeler Nation feels as if he was overdrafted, that he wasn't worthy of a first round draft pick. So I think he's that guy. I think on the offensive side of football, a lot of people knock James Conner. I think he's just he's the redheaded stepchild, so to speak, on the defensive side of football, that, that there's a lot of blame. Um, but, but in, I get the sense that in reading, you know, your column, and again, listeners go to behind the do a search for Jeffrey Benedict's film room about the evolution of the Steelers secondary. Great read. I get the sense that you have a much greater appreciation of the athleticism and versatility that Terrell Edmonds brings to the Steelers defense and the flexibility that it gives them as a defense in terms of the different coverages that they can play. Speak to that. Okay. Uh,
1: I want to start with his athleticism uh, is, like, top of the NFL. He's, like, 98th percentile athleticism for safeties. And that's a big part of it. He's, He's big. He's strong. He's incredibly fast. He's very agile. And he just gets to the ball. Like, he doesn't read as fast as Minka what's going on, but he can catch up. Like, he's not going to let the play get away from him because he's just that fast. He is phenomenal on runs to the sideline. There are so many plays. You'll see him and Devin Bush. Like, they'll run outside and they have numbers, and then all of a sudden Terrell Edmonds and Devin Bush are there. And you don't have anywhere to go. He's good in run fills coming up. He can take on offensive linemen. He can take on fullbacks. Uh, he's a solid, again, not great tackler. But he can also man cover. I mean, we we saw him cover DK Metcalf, Metcalf caught a touchdown on him, but it was after, you know, he had to do it after Edmonds squatted the ball out of his hands. He covered, uh, I just lost his name, DK Metcalf's teammate, the the shorter receiver is really, he, but he covered a lot of really good receivers, whether they're small and quick receivers or big, strong receivers, he can cover them. He covers tight ends and he can play just about any zone. His one real weakness is reading the ball in the air. Yes. Like, as a deep zone guy, he's all right when he's picking up a guy. Like, if a guy goes into a zone and he needs to play him, he can play that guy. He can read his hands, get his arm in there, you know, read the read the receiver's eyes, watch his hands, and, and bat the ball away. Get in there and mess it up. But he's he's not a guy who's going to turn and find the ball and make an interception. Like, we've all seen that that's not
0: Terrell. Arizona game. Yeah, the Arizona yeah. game. <laughs> yeah. The ball stands, hit him in the head. <laughs> that, that
1: stands out so bad like it's one play but it is oh such an awful play
0: hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price,
1: priceline.
0: Yeah, it really illustrates it. So going back to the original question I had, mm-hmm. so what coverage per se is, what what coverage does he excel in? And as you've watched the film over time, I know you talked about them playing some quarters and then playing Mm -hmm. some cover one, cover three. What was kind of their pet coverage? Or did it it change from one coverage to another? Now that they got Minka, they were more of a cover three team as a base, more of a cover one team. Kind of what was their comfort zone from a coverage perspective, not after they got Minka?
1: They're still heavily cover one. The Steelers are, like early downs, they are cover one because they like a blitz. They like sending that extra guy. They like manning up on on defense. Uh, Terrell Edmonds is great in cover one because he can play that robber role. He can man up on a slot-wide receiver. If you put, like New England did, if you put Josh Gordon in the slot or you put DK Metcalf in the slot, the Steelers can just send Terrell Edmonds on him. Uh, Terrell Edmonds also does a really good job in those formations where teams are a little bigger you know, with multiple tight ends and then they send them out wide. Uh, He does a great job of taking smaller receivers off of linebackers' hands. There are numerous times Mark Barron or Vince Williams would would run out to cover a smaller wide receiver in the slot, and you see Terrell Edmonds run up there and send them back into the middle. They they would switch off roles. That happened a lot. So he's really good in cover one. Uh, In the other ones, he's not quite as good, except that as the season went along, he got better at playing with Minka. And so he was just basically the support for Minka. Like, Minka's doing this, he's coming up, I'm behind him. If Minka's backing off, I'm going in front, covering what's in front of him. And they worked together really well. And I think that is one of his big strengths in the deeper zones, even though he's not as talented at it, is that him and Minka worked really well. Uh, Another big thing about Edmonds people don't think about is... For the early part of the season, Edmonds was the only veteran back there. So yeah. he was like he's one year in, but he was calling the defensive adjustments, he was calling a lot of the switches. And you see that as the season goes on, that they trusted him continue doing that. Minka would have some conversation you'd see where he would tell a you know cornerback that he's behind something, but a lot of the times it was Terrell Edmonds communicating what's going on, what they're changing, and what they're doing. I don't know if we'll see that change in the future or if the Steelers will continue to want to keep Minka out of that and just free him up to go do what he does.
0: We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. So when we're talking about the Minka effect, and so let me ask this question, let me just read it off my sheet, my question, because I thought I wrote it pretty well. Okay. said, <laughs> is, it, is it fair that Minka gets a bulk of the credit for the transformation of this defense into a dominant unit? Is it safe to say after all the film that you've watched, how would you succinctly define the minka effect and is it fair to give minka as much credit as he's gotten for the transformation of this defense into being one that was on the precipice of being elite because they had a great front seven got a lot of sacks into this to this unit that now i think is a top three defense so what is the minka effect exactly what was that? What did it what did it bring to the Steelers? And is it fair to give Minka the bulk of the credit for this defense now being what I think a modern dominant NFL defense looks like?
1: Okay. Uh so start with that. We got to look at the defense he came on to. Uh, yes. If you take week one and you subtract out in week two the seven drives before seven, Sean Davis got injured, right? You take those out. The Steelers defense. Was the worst, like you've ever seen. They was like a college defense facing an L- NFL team. They were so bad, they were incredibly bad. The seven drives before Sean Davis got hurt against Seattle, uh, I have actually I have the stats here. The let me see if I can find it real quick. <laughs> Sorry, um, but they gave they gave up one point per drive. They gave up one touchdown in seven drives, and they gave up 179 yards which is actually really good defensively, 25.6 yards per drive, one point per drive, small sample size has to be counted into that. That's, that's in, those numbers are incredible. Without Sean Davis, that week for the, for the rest of the game, the five drives that they had without him after he got hurt, and the week before, both, the, both those games, Steelers were giving up over 40 yards a drive and averaging over three points a drive given Ouch. Up. points and 46.4 yards. They gave up scores in seven out of ten drives to New England. And after Sean Davis was hurt, three out of five drives to Seattle. Seattle got three touchdowns on out of their last in their last five drives. Like that's how bad they were with Cam Kelly in at safety, who he's not, he's not, shouldn't be a deep safety ever. And Trell Edmonds being the guy back there because there was no one else. So Part of the Minka effect and the credit he gets is because the defense went from one of the worst you can even imagine to being really, really good.
0: Let me like pause bad. you one second, Jeff. Let me pause you one second, Jeff, while you make that thought. If, if there's a way that you could turn on a light in your background, yeah, I'm, in your I'm background. sorry. I
1: was having, I was relying on sunlight.
0: <laughs> so while Jeff takes a break and fixes the light. Make sure you guys absolutely go to behindthesteelcurtain.com. Uh, that is much better, Jeff. See, is that see, better? There you go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So, before Jeff gets back into his explanation on the Minka effect and if Minka should get all the credit for the impact that he had on the defense and the defense transforming into a dominant defense, make sure you check out Jeffrey Benedict's outstanding breakdown of the Steelers' secondary on behindthesteelcurtain.com. Go ahead, Jeff.
1: Okay. So, In my opinion, it's almost like Minka doesn't get enough credit. But Hmm. at the same time, there's a lot of other players that don't get enough credit either. Like, I think people look at it and say, yeah, Minka turned the defense around. Well, he really did. But in the way that, like, Ben Roethlisberger is going to turn the offense around when he takes over from what we had last season with Devlin Hodges. In the way that, like, you know, if everyone remembers... Fitzgerald Toussaint in the playoffs being the running back for the Steelers, the difference between Le'Veon Bell and Fitzgerald Toussaint or, you know, a Kobe, uh, what was the name, Kobe Hamilton and uh, Juju Smith-Schuster came the year after and took over for him. The way those guys made such a difference is partly because they're really good. And partly because the other guy was just shouldn't have been there. Wow. Like Fitzgerald Toussaint shouldn't have been running the ball in the playoffs. And Le'Veon Bell was a star. Like, And that's really part of it is Cam Kelly had no business being a deep safety in the NFL. He was a backup. Like it'd be, you put Jordan Dangerfield back there, you'd get the same, you'd get terrible results as well. And then Minka comes in and takes that position from a serious weakness to a big time strength and just flips the script, completely flips the defensive script. I think another part of it comes into play is. Week one against Tom Brady, we had four people in coverage that had never played a game as a Steeler. Right. Two of them were first time in an NFL action, and then there with Devin Bush joining Cam Kelly. And then there's also Steven Nelson and Mark Barron, who were just starting up. We played really vanilla defense. You could tell like the team just wasn't there. Like they weren't together. They didn't know what they were doing. There's so many new faces. They lost. Sean Davis, and all of a sudden, they're changing up defenses. They're not running cover one because there's no one back there to run cover one with. You don't have Sean Davis. And then as Minka comes on board, uh, the San Francisco game, they tested Minka. That's the only time, like, you you see people really throw at Minka in the entire season much. And they didn't really know how to react to what Minka was going to be at free safety. But after that, man, the team came together, and more than anything, I would say Minka Fitzpatrick, was the perfect fit because hmm. I've talked about how he wasn't quite a center fielder, but with Joe Hayden and Steven Nelson, we had two cornerbacks that are really good, deep zone guys, really good, deep ball defenders. And they really set Minka up to be like, okay, yeah, you can come forward and attack and we'll go back. You know, they, they, they loved, uh, they loved putting Steven Nelson off. And, and they just, people would cut underneath Steven Nelson. And that was Minka. That's where Minka was defending. He was defending the short in in cuts and Steven Nelson was defending the deep stuff.
0: And you had had a Terrell Edmonds who was athletic enough as well to switch and do these switch exchanges with Minka and cover that deep third. It sounds what you're saying is not only was Minka very good, who he was replacing was not very good, (laughs) but his skill set On this defense was the perfect combination, sort of like when you add that little sprinkle of finishing salt to a dish, where it takes that dish that's really good. You add that little piece of Genesee Quad, that finishing salt, and -hmm. the dish goes from being great to magnifique. That he was that that missing ingredient to take them to the next level so you're saying from what it sounds like you're saying also is it's fair to say he was one of he was a critical piece in transforming this defense and all the credit that he gets is very much deserving in terms of this defense transforming into what we see now is an elite dominant defense
1: yes but another big person i put on there is devin bush uh, Devin okay. Bush doesn't get enough credit either. Uh one stat I love to to point out is in 2018, Sean Davis playing free safety, uh, was a solo tackler on five percent of the run plays he saw. One in 20 run plays, he had to de- bring the guy down by himself as the free safety. Minka Fitzpatrick, it was less than half that. Like Minka okay. was not being asked to do that because the linebackers were better. Devin Bush was getting there, you know, the Terrell Edmonds was getting there. Other people were getting there. Minka didn't have to face that. So one of the things, we we looked at Sean Davis and said, oh, man, you know, he's getting beat by running backs a lot. Well, yeah, but, you know, he shouldn't be tackling those guys. <laughs> he shouldn't be getting right. to the free safety. So Devin Bush, I give a lot of credit to him. Um, and the, the front, I mean, the front six, front seven guys are so good. The, the pass rushers, the front four, the front five, they're incredible. The Defensive line, Bud Dupree. TJ Watt, but when your deep safeties can't defend, it didn't matter. Like right. they drop back, take a step and throw it downfield. Ma- right. You lose that time. Yeah, You
0: lose that time to get that work done. Before I ask you how Minka will impact the defense in 2021. So again, I want to say if you guys are just getting to the interview late, Jeffrey is confirming that the Minka effect is real. And that the transformation of this defense is largely because Minka Fitzpatrick's skill set fit perfectly into what the Steelers had on defense. And also Jeffrey is saying that Terrell Edmonds is better than you think. (laughs) Uh, You know, I want to get you on record because I because I like Terrell Edmonds as a player as well. I think his and, and the funny thing about Terrell Edmonds is he's not the most athletic guy in his family. His little brother, no. his little brother in Buffalo is actually, you know, if if Terrell Edmonds is 98.9 in terms of athleticism, his brother is 99.9%. Yeah. Because he's younger. Yeah, he's amazing. He's younger, bigger. And he, he's ridiculous. Like he yeah. is, he's, he's the reason why you have three brothers in the National Football League. And people are, people always wonder why certain guys make it to the league. It, it's, it's genetics and hard work and all that stuff, and it's not—it's it, not a mis- it, its not surprising that you have three guys from the same family making an NFL when the gene pool in that family is that ridiculous, because they're all off the charts. Because little brother, because the running back is ridiculous too athletically. He's mm-hmm. big and fast and powerful as well. I mean, they went to the grocery store of freakish ge- genetics. <laughs> And they took all the eggs, let's say. Yep. They took all the eggs and didn't leave anybody for anybody else. But I want to speak to a couple of lists. And again, on on the website, behind curtain.com. make sure you check out the article. Steelers land both a safety and corner in the top three of the NFL going to 2020. Let me read through CBS Sports Headquarters' top 10 safeties. They list them as Teron, the Honey Badger, Minka Fitzpatrick, Jamal Anderson, Harrison Smith, Anthony Harris, Justin Simmons, Devin McCourty, Derwin James, Kevin Bayard, and Earl Thomas. I really like Derwin James as a player. You agree with that list? You think Minka Fitzpatrick is two? You think he's... uh, You think that rating is fair for him as a player at the safety position?
1: I would. I would. uh, like, Like, the problem with those lists is, if you're looking at a pure... If you look at Minka on a lot of teams, he wouldn't fit a lot of teams as well. Like, the reason Miami didn't play him at free safety is because they would have had to change their defense to play him at free safety. He fit different places better for them. The Steelers were like, well, we don't have a free safety. You're going to have to play free safety. That's it. We don't have anybody. And then they worked the defense around to fit him. And it just, it, it worked. Once you let him play to his strengths, he's incredible. So I would agree with that in a sense of how good he played. Um, but, I would also give the caveat that some of those guys that are below him, you could put on any team and they would be just as good. But you put Minka on those teams, he may not quite fit what they're doing.
0: And I'm glad you said that because fit is very important. And I I think a lot of times as fans, we lose that perspective. That fit and how they're utilized is so very important in terms of maximizing the impact that you get out of a player. Because I love Derwin James. I mean, I love Derwin James in San Diego, or excuse me, the Los Angeles Chargers. I think he's one of those difference makers and and, and hybrid guys. And I'm never going to say, I'm never going to stop saying San Diego. So you guys can kill me in a live chat. (laughs) I'm never going to stop saying San Diego. Although the stadium is across the street from where my mom lives, I will never Stop saying San Diego. Let me give you the, the the second list that's on there, and this is for cornerbacks. It's listed as Stephon Gilmore, Marcus Peters, Joe Hayden, third, Jalen Ramsey, fourth, Patrick Peterson, fifth, Byron Jones, sixth, Tredavious White, seven, Xavier Howard, eight, Chris Harris, junior, nine, and Marshawn Lattimore, 10. Do you agree with that ranking for Joe Hayden? No.
1: No. No. <laughs> no. I love Joe Hayden. Uh, I wouldn't put him or Nelson in the top ten. They're not that far out of it. I think they're both kind of in that top twenty range, but I would not put Joe Hayden in the top ten, let alone, you know,
0: Stark. me either. Yeah. Me either. I, th- I think Joe struggles with speed, with top end oh, yeah. speed. Um, he does. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean. I think Joe is Joe is a very good player, and it's no knock on Joe. And yeah. I think the combination of him and Nelson are the best combination of corners they've probably had since the 2008 championship team. I think it's actually probably better, uh, their combination of corners. Joe's susceptible to speed, though, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, with Joe, you're talking about someone who is a phenomenal cornerback who's just not the best athlete. He just isn't. And I I think that, that plays into how the, like, if he was a better athlete, he'd be even better. And you can take some cornerbacks that are much better athletically, and they just get more room for error than Joe Hayden does. Joe Hayden makes a mistake, and it shows up in the stat sheet. It shows up on film. Other guys can recover from that, which I think is one of the reasons you see the Steelers draft Terrell Edmonds in the first round, because he's a guy who can play safety and be an elite athlete at that position, just like they did with Bud Dupree, who's like, OK, he's an outside linebacker, but he's an athletic freak of an outside linebacker. Look at all the things we can do with him. It doesn't matter if he's like good enough at any of them. He's going to be able to do a lot of things. And we saw last year when he finally came around and really got his pass rush going. Like He's really, really de- deadly because he's so big, so strong, so fast. And now he actually knows what he's doing.
0: And just imagine how good Kentucky was. I can't forget the guy. I, I always forget the guy's name, but they have the monster um, from, from Green Bay. Him and Bud Dupree yeah. were, were booking outside linebackers on that Kentucky team. And they they didn't sniff anything in the SEC. I mean, they got crushed in the SEC. <laughs> and you have two guys that are just ridiculous athletes on the edges um, for that team. But before we get into my last question, well, let me get into my last question before I open it up to the group chat. How do you think Minka Fitzpatrick will be utilized this season, this upcoming season? How do you see his role expanding? Will it kind of be the same now that he's familiar with the defense, they're familiar with him. How do you think his role will evolve, or will it evolve in the Steelers' defense moving forward?
1: I this is one of the reasons I really wanted them to go out and draft a safety who could play deep zone really well, to even just be the third player there. You know, just the third safety, be that guy who can go in there in and nickel and diamond, free Minka up to just do all kinds of stuff. I would love to see Minka more in dime come up like how cam Sutton does, which I, I'm is something I'm going to cover in my last film room uh, so that's something I've been looking at but he he plays more in the middle he plays less back more in that robber role. I love minka pittspatrick in a in a robber or a rat type role where he's shorter zones. he is so deadly in that 10 to 20 yard range from the line of scrimmage he's, he's not as great deep you know He's he's good, but you can just get away from him when he gets that deep. But when he takes the middle, when he's sitting in that prime real estate, the most, you know, what statisticians will tell you is the best area of the field to attack statistically, he just takes everything away. There's just there's no room in there. You can't throw anywhere because he can just get the ball wherever he is. I like him more in those roles, but with what the Steelers have done, I think you're gonna see him in free safety more. Than what we've seen in the past. We're going to see him as the deep guy more and hope that this experience at free safety, that an offseason knowing he's going to be a free safety will help him develop, you know, kind of those, those Ed Reed killer instincts where he knows when to play back. He knows he can play back deep and still attack forward. Whereas Minka is kind of like, if he once he gets the idea that he's the deepest defender, doesn't attack forward. Like you can just throw balls in front of him, he's not coming up to get them, he's playing back. I'd love to see that develop. I would also love to see more versatility in how they use him. Um, I'm really fascinated to see how him and Terrell, Terrell Edmonds develop as a pair. They're both second-year players. We've got two years with both of them on their rookie contracts. So I, I'm very excited to see how they play next season uh, with how good they played off each other with no offseason and just a bye week to put new plays in. I'm really interested to see that. I think mostly, though, we're going to see Minka attacking the middle of the field. That's that's where he's at the best, and that's where this defense benefits the most using him.
0: So the coverages will look the same. His role in those coverages may be a little bit more, yeah. l- maybe a little different.
1: Well, well, you just brought up coverages. I, there's something I haven't talked about. But how the Steelers ended up running a cover three towards the end of the year was they did a really interesting thing. You would see it on film where you'd see Cam Sutton playing, you know, the dime. He's on the slot. And all of a sudden you just see him take off running backwards. And he would end up in the as the deepest defender, deep safety. Right. Uh Nelson and Hayden would both drop deep. Uh Barron, Mark Barron, and the Nick and the dime, Mark Barron and Mike Hilton would both run out to the flats and be kind of flat defenders. And the only people in the middle of the field were Terrell Edmonds and Minka Fitzpatrick. And they would just walk up from where they started at safety to the first down line on like third and 15 longer place. And they just camped there and teams really had no way to attack it because the Steelers put all four of their best tackling cover guys at the front, right on the line that you're needed to get to. And they all have speed. They're all going to swarm you as soon as you get the ball underneath. And then you can't attack the middle of the field because you gotta make it Fitzpatrick and Terrell Edmonds. They can they have such range, they can get all over the place. And behind them, you have Cam Sutton, Steven Nelson, and Joe Hayden. You know, you you throw deep, you're not getting any results there either. And that defense for the Steelers was incredible. Late in the yeah, season, you, there were there were yeah. plays quarterbacks with just like Josh Allen in Buffalo. He saw it twice. Both times he saw it, he just ran. He didn't even he yeah. was just like up oh, there and that, just just run and see what I can get and punt the ball. You know what
0: they were, you know what they were doing. They he was running the hole. They had Cam Sutton running the hole. It almost looked like how Derrick Brooks would run the hole for Tampa. Yeah. Where they would convert Tampa 2 to cover three. So Tampa 2 just ended up being cover three. Yeah. Because Derrick Brooks has such good range, he could run that entire hole. But they did it with Cam Sutton from the slot. And so thanks to your article, I looked at those plays. I'm like, wow, he's running a hole from the slot, which looks completely different than an inside linebacker just running up the hole. Like you see that all the time, but you rarely see it from a corner and from the slot defender. And they would exchange. He I was like, wow, they are doing some very creative things. And Um, they did bring that out. And I was surprised to see that last question before we get to the live chat, because you've been giving us some great nuggets, some great information. Who's the best cornerback on this team? I mean, we, we, we had some, (laughs) we shared some emails. Um, I, I think I end up agreeing with you on my podcast. I did a podcast last Friday on, yeah, I said it about Steven Nelson and Joe Hayden and just how good I thought Steven Nelson was. Settle the argument for anybody from what you've seen on film, who's the Steelers' best cornerback?
1: I am I'm, I'm gonna actually change my answer a little bit. I'm gonna give a caveat oh. to it. The best cornerback in 2019 was Joe Hayden. Okay. And that's because when other things broke down, they would teams would invariably go after Steven Nelson with in breaking routes. And he was just slow to recover and get to the ball. I don't know if he had a straight, I don't know if he had a minor injury or or something, but after week 13 where Cleveland really Forced Minka Fitzpatrick to stay deep. They were like, if you're coming up, you know, we're going to burn you guys deep. So Minka is back deep. He's not getting any stats. They're throwing all this stuff underneath. You, you saw Steven Nelson start crashing those underneath routes. Start really, you know, like they'd catch the ball on a five-yard in route, and then they're getting tackled. They're not running free like they were earlier in the season. So while Joe Hayden was the best cornerback on this team for 2019, uh, I think Steven Nelson has a really good shot of overtaking him in 2020.
0: Okay. Well, here's a good thing for the Steelers. They have two very good corners. They got two. Yeah. They got two very good corners and they have versatile guys. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer.
1: As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer.
0: Some some listener questions, and and this might be associated with the topic of the program about the Minka effect. And again, make sure you check out Jeffrey Benedict's outstanding series on the Steelers secondary. It's on behindthesteelcurtain.com Five part series. If you have NFL Game Pass and you are an egghead like me, look up the particular plays. You can see them. You can stop them. You can you know you can just be kind of a football film egghead like I think I am to a certain extent. Let's jump into the first question. And let me pop this up on the screen so you can see it, too. Um, and Kathy Fareed, thank you for the super chat question. Um, thank you for the two bucks there. She asked, will Minka be a Steeler for life?
1: I, I think that's a yes. I think that's a yes. I think they are going to recognize that he is Troy Polamalu level of Ooh. ability to impact a game. He is not the same position, but similar ability to just. You think you have something. You've drawn it up. You're like, they're not going to be able to stop this. And then Minka Fitzpatrick is there, and it's over. Like He he, he ruined your play. He's that kind of player. He is incredibly smart. If you watch his film room on GamePad, oh, my goodness. He is so smart. (laughs) Every time they talk to him, it just blows me away. I'm like, this guy, this is a guy you keep.
0: Is that the one where he uh making fun of uh what's the guy's name the st louis quarterback about yes, him kurt not warner. being able to kurt warner about him not being able to move out of the pocket yeah yeah that was yeah. pretty funny he that kept was... laughing at kurt warner that, that, that was pretty funny let's jump into the next question from snowman thank you for the five bucks snowman and the question is is mason rudolph the steelers next starting quarterback or would the steelers be drafting ben's replacement next year well I think the show knows my feelings about Mason and Duck. If it takes two to get one, you don't have any. So I'll just say that. That's my answer to that question.
1: Uh, I'm going to say no to both of those. Um, I think Ben is going to play longer than one year. I think he's going to play longer than two. And I think think the Steelers will ride with the backups they have until then. I don't think they'll be drafting anyone new just because they are all in on Ben. Like yeah. it's everything they're showing is all in on Ben. And I think you're gonna see, especially with this defense where it is, like they have a rejuvenated Super Bowl window. Like just make it just Megan Fitzpatrick comes in, Devin Bush comes in, and bam, this Super Bowl window is open. So I think you're gonna see them investing everything they can in on that. I do not think Mason Rudolph is the future of the franchise. I would not be su- I'm gonna I'm gonna annoy people here, but I would not be surprised to see Devlin Hodges. Take the second spot from him.
0: Oh, wow. I am
1: I am more of a Devin ouch. Hodges fan than I am Mason Rudolph.
0: <laughs> ouch. Um, well, if, ouch, undrafted, third-round draft pick, if he beats you out, that means you're really bad. Before we jump into this next question, make sure you guys uh, like the program. Let me jump into another question that's on here as we scroll down. Let me scroll up. Um there was a question from, let me let me pop this up here, from Nathaniel Zarate. What you, what's your reaction to Martavis Bryant requesting to be reinstated into the league?
1: I'm very interested in it. I'm very interested to see how the NFL handles it, how teams handle it, because they just changed their drug program. They expressly changed how marijuana is treated, even more leniently than it was before. And this is a good show of... of are you guys serious about this? Are you really walking back the how you view marijuana and getting away from that, where you're getting players in trouble just because they're smoking weed? I'm he very interested to see how weed, they do it.
0: Though. He smoked a lot of
1: weed. Yeah, he though. couldn't stop. He couldn't, <laughs> he, the man couldn't stop. He failed, like, I think seven tests.
0: Cheech Bryant, I mean. Yeah. I mean. So
1: it's going to be interesting to see that. It'll be interesting to see if he gets a job. I really don't think the Steelers will sign him. Um at this point, like Oakland, when he was playing with Oakland last, he he wasn't doing anything.
0: Right, right. Um, interesting. Your your thought on Ben, I, I think Ben is gonna be around a little bit longer. I think that forty one mm-hmm. million dollar cap hit is gonna scream for an extension. Yep. And um, I mean, if they're willing to give Ben close to twenty five million dollars for playing about seven quarters, they <laughs> have no issue for giving him any more money and, and, and if you've listened to the show you know I have a love-hate relationship with number seven so anybody listening to the program is not amazed at my it co- is not surprised <laughs> at the comments that I make in regards to Ben Roethlisberger let me jump into this question from John Trent and he asked the following is Anthony McFarlane the next starting running back for the Steelers
1: I don't think so I don't think he's a starter uh, I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, work done was a starter. You can be a small guy and be a starter. I don't think McFarland is a starter, especially not early on. He didn't He didn't hold up well. The more carries he got, if he got a bunch of carries in like two or three weeks, after that he was not the same player for a while. Like he, he just it wore, wore him down. I think you're going to see some really interesting stuff with him. I think he's going to be a really good change of pace guy. They're going to use him in the passing game. He's going to get a lot of use in all kinds of different ways, uh, but he's not going to be a starter.
0: Let me ask you a question while we wait for a few more questions in the live chat. Devin Bush, what was your thought on Devin Bush's rookie season and, and just how big of an impact that Devin Bush have on this defense. And with that, what do you think Ulysses Gilbert, the what, third, what do you think his impact will be on this defense?
1: Okay. Uh, Bush early on. Okay let me just say this bush reminded me of a really young ray lewis before he became as good in coverage before he was as you know uh as effective as efficient with like his film watching he really before the ray lewis the leader who knew what your play was before you did kind of linebacker emerged like really young ray lewis when he was just running around hitting everybody tackling everything that's kind of what devin bush reminded me of not Maybe at Ray Lewis's level, but he's that kind of a linebacker. You don't really want him in coverage. You especially don't want him in coverage and man on tight ends. You don't want the other team to be able to pull him away from that inside where he's watching the play and just going and getting the ball like a just bam, flying to the ball and hitting people. That's what you want Devin Bush doing. He's a playmaker. He showed that. I think he is really just a phenomenal player. And with him and Minka, I mean, one yeah. of the things you talk about is is that middle of the defense, but when you got Devin Bush and Minka Fitzpatrick standing in the middle there. Where do you go to attack? Both those guys have range. Yeah. Both those guys are just they're going for the ball. They're 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 taking your heart out. Like Devin Bush is phenomenal as he improved over the course of the season. I actually have backed off on. I thought Mark, losing Mark Barron was going to be a bigger deal. I'm backing off on that. I think Devin Bush is going to be able to handle that. So I think Ulysses F, Ulysses Gilbert III um, filling into that coverage linebacker role, seeing some of the coverages they did late with Terrell Edmonds, um, I don't think Ulysses Gilbert is going to need to be a big part of this. Okay. I think you're going to see more safety linebacker cornerback. I think you're going to see more right. dime, less That's nickel. What I think. And when you see nickel, you may see Terrell Edmonds as a linebacker.
0: That's what I think. That's what I think because of his versatility. Let me jump into, excuse me, Dave. <laughs> I'm laughing here. Let me jump into Dave Schofield's comment. Who's the bigger back peddler, Fitzpatrick or Lance? A couple of months ago, Lance said Ben was done and shouldn't have gotten his last extension. Now, let me explain. <laughs> it is a fact. Once, I believe the percentage is 12%. Once your quarterback is more than 12% of your salary cap, it's hard to build the back half of your roster. Teams don't win Super Bowls. At 41 million, I don't know what the cap number will be because who knows if fans will be in the stands. That's just too much cap allocation for one player. So I I stand with that. It's not an ability thing. It is more so of uh, uh, how much resources do you take up? But let's jump into this last question and and big (laughs) up to the Oracle. Thanks, Dave, for kicking me. That must mean you like the program. Let's jump into the last question uh, for the program. And that's from Andrew Wilbur. He said, I'm a huge Justin Lane fan here. Do you think he is a good fit for the Steelers? And how much press man do you think he'll play in, in the Steelers system? That was his strength in college.
1: Okay, if, with Justin Lane, uh, we're talking sides of the field at this point. Um, if he he can fill in for Hayden, like that's what Hayden does. Hayden is right up there, taking them from the very start, uh, covering more short passes, jumping short routes. That's that's Joe Hayden's style. I think Justin Lane can be that kind of a player. I also think we can see him in a lot of dime situations where the outside, gets kind of left alone. You can, you can just leave that guy out there and be that person. I, i like Justin lane. Um, and I think he can fit. I think he really can fit what we're doing. I don't want to get too much off track. We've been covering safeties into how that we use our cornerbacks, but there are roles for him in this secondary where he can, he can get himself on the field. It's going to be hard this year with Sutton still around yes. uh, with all four returning, but if one person goes down, I think he'll get a chance to step in, and we have roles that fit his skill set.
0: And I love Cam Sutton. I think Cam Sutton is that. I think Cam Sutton is the most underrated player on the Steelers. I love Cam Sutton as a football player. I think he's very versatile very good.
1: Plus, he can backpedal. So, yes. you know,
0: you, uh, to, yes. to,
1: to, to Dave's comments earlier. <laughs> he, he backpedals I, better early.
0: than me. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I'm just a politician at heart. Before we get out of here, Jeff, I want to thank you for really breaking this down and giving us some X's and O's. And I and I love to get the perspective of someone who has watched these guys on film. Is there anything that you want to tease coming up uh, this week on the website that you want to point people to?
1: Yeah, this look like Friday. My fifth film room uh, is coming out. That'll be the end of that series. I don't even know what I'm doing beyond that. I've been I've spent five weeks on this. <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm doing
0: afterwards. Now, hopefully, you know I'm not going to commit, Jeffrey. But my thought is I would love to have Jeffrey on the program during the season to break down key matchups from a film perspective when we're breaking down some the upcoming games. So I'm I'm kind of putting it out there. Jeffrey looks kind of surprised on film. So <laughs> I'm thinking you know, about
1: I'm, it. Yeah, I could do that. You know,
0: I'm, I'm putting them on the spot right now, making them backpedal real fast. I'm making him get into his back pedal and flip his hips because I'm running the nine route on, on Jeffrey. So I'm putting him on the spot right now on the program. But with that, we are going to conclude the program. Jeffrey, thank you for hopping on. Fantastic job talking ball. Steelers defense is ready, equipped, and it is championship. But with that, we're going to conclude the program. And as always, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe.